0: stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs MPB goes with listeners wherever they go Your company's message can go along too Go to mpbonline.org/underwriting to find out how
1: Good morning it's 8:30 on Monday February 25th I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio On today's show we'll hear the latest on dangerous weekend storms that left at least one dead Plus, new information that says hate groups are on the increase in Mississippi. And after everyday tech, learn more about the history of blackface and why the practice is still hurtful today. But we're not going to
0: be accepted unless we're always acquiescing to the white power structure. So black people performing in blackface was, one, acquiescing to the power structure, but it was also a parody of a parody, right? So if you watch a lot of those black minstrel shows, what those black performers are doing are making fun of white people who are making fun of black people.
1: That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A north Mississippi town is reeling after a tornado smashed into a commercial district over the weekend. Businesses in Columbus were shattered as severe storms drove across the south, including drenching rains and a rising flood threat. Joining us with the latest on the damage and recovery is Greg Michelle, director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. We start our conversation with an update on injuries.
2: So the last uh, latest number we got yesterday was twelve. It was holding at twelve injuries, and all of those individuals were treated and were released right afterwards.
1: The death was a woman whose home collapsed on top of her.
2: Actually, she was uh, in a she was in a business. She was actually in a deli, uh, a local deli there with, with three other patrons, and um, the building uh, collapsed when she went back inside for cover. Um, the three patrons that were with her were injured, but they were later treated and released as well.
1: Was the damage? from this tornado confined to one part of columbus or was it more widespread
2: It was more widespread and of course as, as, you know this storm hit uh just on the cusp of uh, of the evening hours and uh the individuals in columbus didn't really know the extent of the damage until the next morning which we knew that was going to be the case but this storm uh, was on the ground for 16 minutes it was an ef3 tornado and had a path of about quarter uh, mile wide and it was 10 miles long so it it ran for a great distance, so the damage is, is very widespread, and for that reason, they really don't even even have a good number on the amount of structures that have been damaged. Um, I was in Columbus yesterday, and, and, and there is extensive damage there, and it is widespread.
1: Are there uh, are there still power outages in Columbus?
2: There are uh, there are still a few power outages. The power company was on the ground uh, yesterday. I was actually there at a meeting with them uh, when this thing initially initially started. was about five thousand residents were without power. Uh, they're down now to about uh, about 1,200 residents without power. So they're restoring the power back in uh, as
1: quickly as they can. Are there any shelters for people?
2: There are. There are. There are three shelters that are currently open. Uh, Lowndes County uh, has one. It's at the Townsend Community Center. And then there's also a shelter open uh, in Tallahatchie County uh, in Charleston, uh, the National Guard Army, and then Lee County also has a shelter open at the Bancor South Arena.
1: And we're going to get to some of the other areas that were hard hit. But first let me ask, in the Columbus area, are there any roads closed?
2: Uh, roads that are closed, most of the roads have been opened, have been opened back up that were, that were uh, obstructed uh, by tornado damage from trees. Uh, they Again, they worked on that. That was one of the, you know, after uh, getting shelter and security for their for their uh, residents, they're opening up roads, the power crews could get in there. Now, there are still roads closed due to flooding. Uh, I don't have the exact number of those, of those roads that were closed, but again, you know, just keep in mind that not only is Columbus dealing with tornado damage, but they're also dealing with, uh, with flood flooding that had uh, you know had come before these tornadoes.
1: Unfortunately, we always hear of people who go out sightseeing sightseeing after a disaster like this. What do you say to those folks?
2: I, I would say please, please to stay out there. That is a big. I was mean, one of the biggest problems that the city of Columbus was having yesterday, and I even experienced it yesterday when I was out doing assessments myself. The roads were just they were cluttered with people that were coming out and wanting to look. And, you know, I think their, their intentions are good and not trying to get in the way, but they really obstruct the roads. The crews can't get in, emergency crews having to get in and out. And I would tell people, if you don't have a reason or a purpose for being in that area, please stay out and let the emergency responders and first responders and the utility crews and the city officials do their jobs because it really slows them down when they come in there.
1: What if people want to help? What if they had their chainsaws and they're ready to help clean up debris? What should they do?
2: So they need to coordinate uh, everything that they're – first of all, thank you for people that are wanting to help. Uh, but let me give you some examples of what happens when you don't do what I'm about to tell you. People show up with chainsaws and they start trying to clear the areas, number one. Again, it clutters the area, and then you've got city crews that don't know you're in there. Plus, you'll get people going in and start cutting trees that are maybe hanging, and it's very, very dangerous. I had some people yesterday that got injured because they went in and started clearing trees, and uh, they'd be hanging on power lines. And, and cutting a tree hanging on a power line versus cutting a tree on the ground is a completely different event. So, anybody that is wanting to help, uh, they need to coordinate their activities uh, through the uh, uh, volunteer reception area that is that is there. Um I'm trying to we'll try to get you a phone number here real quick and I'll give that back in just a second on who to contact. Uh but uh, Cindy Lawrence, who is the emergency manager for uh for Lowndes County is, is 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 put this out yesterday for anyone that wants to help. Coordinate, call their Emergency Operations center and coordinate through there. And again, I'll get you a phone number here shortly to put out to those that want to help.
1: Let's talk about the other counties that suffered damage because it appears to be a wide number.
2: Yes, yeah, so we've got, and again, you know, I want to reiterate that we've got we had flooding that preceded these two tornadoes. So we right now we have got 36 counties in the state of Mississippi that have been that have submitted uh, some type of damage report. Um, and, and many of those uh, counties are going to be making local proclamations uh, for uh, declaring states of emergency in some shape, size, or fashion. Uh, we don't know right now if this is going to lead to another uh, proclamation for federal assistance. Uh, the governor will be signing a state of emergency today
3: uh,
2: based on the information that we've seen, and, of course, until we get a, a good handle on actually the damage across the state, Uh, We don't know yet that we'll be seeking federal assistance, but it is certainly looking uh, uh, that that would be, uh, that may be the case.
1: Uh, MEMA released uh, a list of. Uh, damages and assessments, and just to give our listeners some examples, Grenada reports a hundred homes and twenty-two businesses damaged, along with six roads damaged. In Lee County, sixty homes damaged. In Clay County, sixty-nine homes damaged. So this really is a widespread disaster.
2: Uh, it is. It is, and, and, and like I say, we're seeing we're seeing uh, we're seeing flooding to the levels of previous records, and in some cases, we're seeing record flooding in some of our, uh, our rivers and, and, and tributaries and waterways. And, of course, it's flooding areas that have never been flooded before. We're just getting a lot of rain. The ground is saturated. So, yes, we're seeing widespread uh, widespread effects from uh, from this flooding.
1: Um, Greg, before we let you go, did you get that phone number yet?
2: Uh, yes, I do. So I'm giving you the number for uh, any of those individuals that would like to volunteer their services at 601-432-6779.
1: 601 432 6779?
2: That is correct.
1: All right. Greg Michelle is the executive director of MEMA, the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Thank you, Greg, very much. Thank you so much. In other news, hate groups are on the rise in the U.S., and the Southern Poverty Law Center lists 13 such groups in Mississippi. MPB's Jasmine Ellis has more.
4: The number of hate groups in the U.S. has hit an all-time high, with a 30 percent increase over the last four years, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. A report from the nonprofit says it tracked 1,020 hate groups in the nation last year. There are 13 organizations listed for Mississippi. Heidi Byrick is with the SPLC. She attributes the rise hate groups to President Donald Trump.
2: The number of hate groups has been rising broadly in the same time period from when Trump announced his run for office in 2015 and his presidency. And Trump has involved himself in demonizing rhetoric around a lot of groups. Folks will remember after the deadly Charlottesville riots that Trump said that there were good people on both sides. That kind of rhetoric has energized white
3: supremacists.
4: Byrick says the SPLC defines hate groups based on ideology and not violence. League of the South is one of the 13 groups listed as a hate group in Mississippi. Michael Hill is with League of the South. In a recorded video from the 2018 Nationalist Solutions Conference, he says white people need to take to the streets and take back civilization.
2: We are facing an existential problem, not just in the South, but everywhere that the white man treads on this earth today. We are being destroyed as a people.
4: The SPLC says citizens should take a stand against hate and ask local officials to combat hate groups. Jasmine Ellis, MPB News.
1: Coming up, learn more about the history of blackface and why the practice is still hurtful today. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Country Music, the new documentary series from award-winning filmmaker Ken Burns, comes to MPB-TV later this year. But you're invited to our special preview screenings in Philadelphia and Meridian. Join us on March 28th in Philadelphia for the story of Mississippi's own Marty Stewart. And join us in Meridian Friday morning, March 29th, for the story of the great Jimmy Rogers. For more information about the preview screenings, visit Ardenland.net.
0: This is MVB Think Radio. Mississippi
3: is our mission.
1: This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Woods Cottrell, and today we're discussing
3: internet monitoring and safety. So what are some things to consider when using the Internet or your mobile device? Well, Michelle, one thing I think people really need to think about when they're talking about safety and the Internet is where are you connecting from? Because if you're connecting from in your home or in in a private environment like that, your, your safety considerations may be different. But if you're in a coffee shop, a local restaurant... There's no telling who else could actually be sharing those connections with you. So when we're talking about being safe from that aspect, you really kind of need to be aware of your surroundings. Now, if you're also in a work environment, you really need to pay attention as well to what are your employer's expectations when you're using that Internet connection. So are they looking for certain things? Are there communications that you're making that are actually prohibited. Maybe you're making a statement about something that happened at work and it's really a little bit more private. Maybe it's a personnel-related thing. You can't be putting that all out there. So you really need to be mindful of your audience and be mindful of your location. And another thing that we really need to look at when we're doing this is we got to think about what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you just trying to put a joke out? Are you just trying to talk about what your day's been like or are you trying to attack someone? Are you really angry? That can really make things take a dangerous turn really fast. And we've seen that so many times, people who have that tendency of speaking before they think. you know we, we see that in so many aspects. We see that in in public figures. We see that in our neighbors. We see that even possibly in our kids' friends, that sometimes that reflection was not a reflection of who they were, but it was a reflection of a moment in time, and we really need to watch out for that.
1: And, Wilt, since you mentioned being responsible on the Internet, Safer Internet Day was actually created to help teach the
3: younger generation how to be responsible when using their mobile devices. Well, we really do, because unlike maybe when you and I were growing on up, a lot of the dangers we were exposed to were right there in our neighborhood and you had you had neighbors looking out and you had people that you went to church with down the street that were able to look out for you and you know if you did something really crazy by the time you got home that night your mama knew and but nowadays with a digitally connected world you're not just connected to the folks that are in your neighborhood you're connected to folks down the street across town in the next city state or even country or continent away so so the dangers have unfolded exponentially. And here's the other thing. A lot of our younger generation today has grown up knowing nothing but this technology, whereas you still have parents and grandparents who this is fairly new to some of them. And so what you have is a digital disconnect, really. And that is, is that these kids and younger adults are using tools that those who supervise or those who are guardians of, parents of, they have no idea what's really going on. So there's there's really a, a disconnect in language there. So it's encumbered upon us as the adults, as the, you know, like when it comes to my kids, it's my responsibility to take on a little bit, learn that some and have those conversations with my children so that they understand that the decisions you make today can impact you for the rest of your life. So, Michelle, Safer Internet Day really gives us an opportunity to put a little bit of focus on this technological tool that has come into all of our lives. We're all so connected with the Internet, with websites, with apps, with social media, with texting, and with all these other new, exciting, and instant ways for us to communicate. We need to do those things safely. We need to do those things responsibly because That has really become a challenge sometimes when you get people behind a keyboard that all of a sudden don't necessarily feel responsible for their actions. So, again, we need to focus back and think about where are you connecting from, what are you trying to do, and what image of yourself are you putting out there? And make sure that it's an accurate reflection of who you are and also of who you want to be. We
1: will talk more about Internet monitoring and safety on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilkes-Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition.
5: Donating your change to MPB just got better. Visit mpbonline.org support. Change donors are now change sustainers with instant benefits like passport streaming video and home delivery of our fine-tuning program. If you'd like to give a set amount every day, now you can. Donations are charged directly to your card, which means you can earn points and a tax deduction. Visit mpbonline.org support and become an MPB change sustainer today. For Moments in Black History, we recognize Flonzie Brown-Wright. Flonzie Brown-Wright was one of many Mississippians who helped pioneer the civil rights movement in the South and was the first African-American female to hold public office in the state since Reconstruction as election commissioner in Madison. Flonzie Brown-Wright, pioneer, visionary, and steel magnolia. This has been MPB Moments in Black History.
1: Public officials across the country are on the defense in recent weeks and months. That's after a series of photos have been uncovered in which some leaders or groups they were affiliated with use blackface depictions in publications like college yearbooks. Multiple media outlets here in Mississippi have found instances of blackface and other racist depictions in the yearbooks of public and private colleges. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves and Attorney General Jim Hood, both candidates for governor, have had to release statements distancing themselves from similar photos of fellow fraternity members. Jackson State University English instructor C. Lee McGinnis talks about the history of blackface and why it still leaves a mark in 21st century Mississippi
0: started around 1830 with a gentleman named Thomas Rice. He basically saw a bunch of slaves dancing and singing. He started impersonating that, but what people need to understand is that prior even to 1830, the slaves would dance and sing and entertain the masters and other whites. And so we have to understand racism and white supremacy specifically as a form of schizophrenia. Because on the one hand, whites would enjoy black entertainment, but then on the other hand, they were also lampooning it. So it was one of those things that the singing and dancing of the slaves was kind of like white America's guilty pleasure. On the one hand, I'm very moved and entertained by it, but I have to somewhere in my mind reserve the notion that, well, these are lesser people. Since they are lesser people, then this art has to be somehow lesser art. And what's really interesting in that is that that's where you kind of get this whole notion about high art and low art in the American society, right? We can accept black art, but often black art is put on a lower level of art so so that blues is never always classical, right? Jazz is never classical. But all of a sudden, rock and roll, which is birthed from blues, is somehow a higher form of art. Right, my father used always talk about the fact that, you know, it's a shame that you got all these great songwriters. McCartney and Lennon were always considered great songwriters, and it took somebody like Bob Dylan to say that Smokey Robinson was one of the greatest American poets we had. That comes from the whole notion that blackface is, again, another example of how racism has to be at least a cousin to schizophrenia.
1: So it was- Legitimacy yes. with the white person it, and not with the black.
0: And also, after the um, Civil War, you had kind of lower economic class whites get into the minstrel show. They were codifying racism, buffooning black culture as a way to say that we're not upwardly mobile white economics, but we're better than these people let over me, here. Let me in percent. Yes.
1: Did the white people who were using blackface, did they realize how offensive it was to black individuals or did they even care?
0: I don't think they cared. We're talking about a time when black people were still considered chattel. They weren't even considered human in the minds of the vast majority of, of, of white people. The fact that they would even consider that this is offensive to black people is not even an issue. The issue is is this something that I can kind of co opt as a way to entertain the upper level economic whites? And, you know, if I'm also codifying black people in a lower place, then that's even better.
1: What about black actors who wore black face? How does that fit into the conversation?
0: Oh, twofold. Black people have always had to do what they needed to do to survive, right? One of the things I always tell people about Django is that what we often miss about Django is that the Samuel Jackson character is correct in that he's actually running the plantation. He's simply playing the buffoon in public because that's what had to happen. I always ask my students, who knew when to plant? The slaves did. Who did the planting? the slaves. Who cared for the crops? The slaves. Who harvested the crops? The slaves. Who took it and sold it? The slaves. The only thing the master did was collect the money. So actually, the slaves were the intellectual impetus running the entire... Black people have always understood, under this, this system of slavery, that we have these skills, but we're not going to be accepted unless we're always acquiescing to the white power structure. So black people forming in blackface was, one, acquiescing to the power structure, but it was also a parody of a parody, right? So if you watch a lot of those black minstrel shows, what those black performers are doing are making fun of white people who are making fun of black people. Part of what the minstrel show, when black started doing, is we're going to reclaim our culture. So we had to do it covertly because we can't do it overtly. So everybody in the black community know that we're lampooning white people, though they think that we're lampooning ourselves for them.
1: Let's get back to current right. day and what brought all of this up to begin mm-hmm. with. You know, we have Jim Hood. Right. And Tate Reeves. Right. With your books, not them right, in right, blackface, right. but being surrounded by...
0: What well, I think blackface was the same in, in Mississippi. The minstrel shows and the vaudeville shows were, were, of course, they were wildly popular. Going into the 70s and 80s, I saw little mammy dolls. I saw Sambo pictures, right? It wasn't like I didn't see those regularly, I knew what they represented. What we have to say, this was wrong if you engaged in it, if you allowed your friends to engage in it. We have to, on the one hand, say blackface is bad. No one should ever engage in blackface. But then we also have to be able to look at somebody's record. right? One of the things that we have to be able to do, and I, and I struggle with it, is giving people room to grow. That doesn't mean justifying bad acts. Can we actually look at your body of work and say, hey, this person's body of work seems to show that he realized that was wrong and changed? And so I think that's the that's the larger conversation we need to have. It's not about whether or not you are racist is are you comfortable having racist friends? Or does your politics indicate that no, based on the laws that you passed, the fights that you've engaged, you've done everything you can to make sure that Mississippi is a better place and better and more equal for everyone?
1: When you're in high school or in college and you're pledging a fraternity, say. And you're, and you're stupid. Let's be clear. You're in high school and college <laughs> yeah. and you're stupid. And you're drinking. I mean, it isn't like you're you hey, don't drink. Right. Don't do drugs. Right. So if you're pledging a fraternity and the people you're trying to impress or mm-hmm. they're in blackface, I, you're not likely to say, hey,
0: right. I, I cut I tell, it out. We have to have those conversations with our students. I tell my students, we'll forgive you for what you say. We never forgive you for what you write. Clearly now we've forgive you for what pitches you take. It's a lesson to say, look. To young people, there's no such thing as privacy anymore. We digitize everything. I think it's a greater lesson that we start telling young people as early as high school and junior high, be careful what you make public. We need to examine the policies of these people, but we also need to use these as teaching tools. We need to have all kids of color in a room asking them, do you
1: understand why this is bad? Because if they don't understand why it's bad, then it's going to continue happening. Celie McGinnis is a poetry and short story writer and an English instructor at Jackson State University. Thanks for being with us. And thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's At Issue on Think Radio. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. Or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition only on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.